Hello and welcome to the World of Emotions and the Emotion Focus podcast, a series all about emotions, how they work for us, how seemingly sometimes they don't work for us, and how we might better understand that and perhaps be able to do something about it. I'm Lou Cooper. I'm your host. I'm based in Nam, Melbourne, Australia. And in this series, I'm joined by people from around the globe who have dedicated most of their professional lives to the exploration of emotions. Everything you hear on this podcast is informed by emotion theory and emotion-focused therapy. A series all about emotions would be incomplete if we didn't talk about shame. So that is the focus of this episode. And joining me, Dr. Shakira Ikawabi is from the Japanese Institute of Emotion Focused Therapy based in Tokyo in Japan and is Professor of Clinical Psychology at Ritsumeikan University in Osaka. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me on a, a very exciting topic. Very exciting topic, and I know that it's an exciting topic for you particularly because you've done research in the area of shame. I'm sure in that research, the first thing that you had to do was to define what we're talking about when we talk about shame and what the experience of shame is. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the very difficult tasks for any psychological researchers is to define exactly what they're looking at. And the shame is very difficult one to define. But, you know, I mean, the shame is a self-conscious emotion that is very painful. It's related to defeat, failure, making mistakes, showing parts of you that isn't great and that you don't want to show. And I think that many people have questions about the difference between embarrassment, shame, guilt. I think the guilt often is defined as emotions that drive you to repair the damage you have done to other people. But the researchers have found that the shame and the guilt occur together and they are correlated. And it's not easy to differentiate the two. But the shame has a very uh, unique physical responses. Like your face gets red, the blood rushes to your face, and your head goes blank. And with guilt, you don't see so many uh, physiological changes. So shame is uh, very much biologically programmed or wired. And um, it's one of the primary emotions, but the very painful one. With guilt, as you say, there's a tendency to want to repair. It's like I've done something wrong and I want to make up for that. So there's something to do, whereas I'm wondering whether shame, there isn't anything that we can do about it or what does shame make us want to do? Right. I think that's a very important question. The guilt is about the action that you have done or the action you should have done but you neglected. Mm. Shame is really about yourself. 
So guilt is based on the action, and the action is not really yourself. So it really doesn't really compromise the sense of self. On the other hand, the shame is really about yourself. So you feel bad, and instead of wanting or being able to make an action to repair, you get paralyzed. You feel kind of helpless. People say that shame's action tendency is to hide. Loss of face is one thing. Like people cover up their face when they're embarrassed and feel ashamed. There's a sense of, I am bad. No wonder we want to hide. Yeah. If we are bad, that we see ourselves as, I don't know, defective or mm-hmm. hopeless or whatever it might be. Yes. Yes. I think defective, flawed, bad. It's just like you feel, yeah, it is all about yourself. So shame can be very difficult. It's hard not to actually feel that, you know, as we're talking about this, Shigeru, and to not actually feel that. Mm. And it doesn't feel good at all, does it? Right, right. And, you know, the important thing is that, you know, when people say, I feel embarrassed, embarrassment is kind of a, a family member of shame, but it's really related to a particular situation. Like you make a mistake and, uh, you know, you feel embarrassed and you feel like you made some kind of stupid mistake, but it goes away and the situation changes. But the shame is more persistent. It's a sense of self. So as the shame is hanging around Mm -hmm. in that way, does it actually have a useful purpose? Like is is there a helpful function of shame? Right. I think that's a very important and a really interesting question because When evolutionary psychologists study shame, they say that it is a very important uh, emotion for mammals. I mean, of course, the mammals are the species that have emotions because, you know, the mammals have delicate skins and they need to protect themselves from their predators. One of the ways that they protect themselves is being in a group. So if you are just in a savanna, you know, if you are a zebra, you need to be in your group. And if you're eating some grass just by yourself, you get attacked by lions or other predators. So being in the group and not being indifferent, you know, the shame or the embarrassment that, you know, help you survive from dangers. So that's one functions of shame. So in the human context, we need to behave in a certain way or be a certain way so that we belong to a the group that will protect us and look after us if we need it? Right. I think that, you know, I mean, in that sort of works in some societies and that have been very important maybe in agricultural society where you need to work together to live, but in a more kind of modern societies where people's independence, freedom, identity, these things are more emphasized. Shame tend to lose its original function and 
somehow work against us in many ways. There would still be cultural differences, though, in what shame means. Yes, I think that's why I'm also here as well, because <laughs>、uh, I think Japan. I mean, in Asian countries and also so-called collective societies where people's interdependence, a sense of belonging to certain groups, are emphasized and valued, there's a stronger sense of shame. And I was just talking to Rhonda Goldman, who is one of the You know, developers of EFT. She was teaching in Japan, and she was traveling and running training in Asian countries. That she felt that Japanese people had a particularly higher level of shame consciousness compared to other Asians. It was interesting. I think you know, it was somehow my personal impression, but I was surprised that. You know, she felt that through teaching and interacting with other Asian therapists. So let's talk about you know shame in in the therapy room because it's not often that、uh, you know that someone comes to therapy wanting to work on their shame or necessarily aware that they're wanting to work on the shame. But there's no doubt that often the first Uh, experience as a therapist、um, that I've had of a client's shame is the shame of coming to therapy in the first place, experiencing the stigma of coming to therapy. Is that your experience as well? Yes, yes. I, I think that's a,、um, interesting to hear because I think that in some ways, many ways, I thought clients in Australia. May have less stigma about coming to therapy, but in Japan that's very strong. They are afraid that if they come to therapy, that their family members will be also embarrassed. It's not just a shame for them, but it, they say it's a kind of a shame for the whole family. Yeah, I'd like to say that here in Australia that there is less of that, that we see less of that, but there's no、mm-hmm. doubt that it certainly exists within certain groups. So there's that shame, and what do we do with that shame? Yes, yes. I think you know. I mean, first of all, you know, that was one of my、uh, research questions, which is that you know, how do you address the shame? The shame of having to come to therapy, having to maybe rely on a professional for a personal problem, a shame of not being able to solve one's own problems on their own, and we see this kind of shame in the first session very often. And、uh, one thing we incorporated in our therapy, the research therapy model, is. For a therapist to really affirm what's behind shame, in spite of the shame that they have, they feel they came to therapy, they came to really face, you know, their problem and work with it. So you know they feel embarrassed to be there, but they have courage to show up, to look at their problem with a therapist. It is very important for therapists to not only just to understand that they feel embarrassed or ashamed, but they 
affirm the effort and the courage that they exercise to come to see a therapist. Yeah, and it does take a lot of courage. I think it takes an awful lot of courage. Mm-hmm. So when they're feeling uh, embarrassed, ashamed, at the same time, they're still there. So there's that some resilience they're really exercising. Yeah. So there's that shame, which, as we've identified, is you know can see some of what it is about. What about the shame that emerges in therapy that seems to be you know, pervasive in people's lives, that it's kind of stuck there and getting in the way of them being able to to live their lives in a sort of healthy, happy way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that, you know, that's one of the questions that I'm very interested. And even though emotion-focused therapy is one of the only therapies that really address shame, and have methods to work with shame, it still is difficult because when people feel shame, they want to hide, they feel like their head is not working, they can't think, and uh, instead of being with someone, they want to hide. So first of all, you know, I want to acknowledge that it isn't easy, but I think one very important thing that the therapist and also the people who feel a lot of shame can benefit is the fact that, you know, empathy, affirmation, compassion, not really feeling blame or critical about what's bad about you, but having some kind of warmth towards it is really the first step. So are we wanting to move people from shame to pride? Because mm-hmm. pride is often seen as the opposite of shame. Is that the work? Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the um, work, moving from shame to pride. You know, what we just talked about, like you feel ashamed about having to rely on someone for your personal problem and you come to therapy. And the therapist notice and comments, you know, you're so brave to come here and to really confront your problem. That's a way of changing shame into pride. So that's one avenue. But there are many different avenues. That sounds like quite a direct <laughs> pathway. Yes. yes. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking that other avenues maybe aren't quite so direct. Right, right. And one of the things about the shame, you know, uh, shame is really often associated with many traumas, some abuse, not being valued by your caretakers and those adults around you. So it's about having a low sense of value of yourself. And that that sense of value of self has developed earlier in life. So it's kind of shame's been hanging around for a long time. Exactly. So it it's kind of like becomes a second nature. You think you're bad. You think you're not good enough. So you feed yourself bad food, cheap food, you know, drugs or alcohol because that's what you deserve. So do we have to 
as therapists or as individuals ourselves, do we have to learn that actually we do deserve, we do deserve more than that? Mm-hmm. And maybe even that we deserve a voice. Right, right. And in order to do that, you know, it's so interesting, Lou, because sometimes shame has to be really expelled out of your body because it's the kind of disgust or disrespect that we swallow and incorporate in ourselves, which we need to really expel, like, get them out of our body because they shouldn't belong there. So how do we do that? Well, in the case of, let's say, you know, abuse or neglect, you know, you have to come to a point where you say, it is not that I'm bad or I'm unlovable, but adults should take care of children because that's their job. Parents need to protect kids and teach kids, you know, that they are important. So it's not me. That's adult job. So it's not me. That's kind of like, you know, I'm not ashamed of myself. It's not me. It's something outside. So I'm okay, but something else wasn't okay or some treatment that I received was not okay. So transforming shame into anger or sometimes disgust. It's not me who is disgusting. It's disgusting not to protect and take care of young child. Does it make sense? It certainly makes sense. And I I think you're, you're not talking about, you know, having to seek that person out and if you want, let them have it. It's not about that. Right. It's about changing that structure that sits within us that is kind of redoing that, reliving that all the time. Right. It's an internal sense and, uh, yes, internal kind of system of emotion that you have recreating that sense of shame and we want to make it external where it should belong. So, Shiguro... As people are listening to this, that are kind of it's ringing alarm bells, perhaps thinking, "Oh, maybe that's what's going on for me." That it's shame that's making me feel feel like this to feel feel bad. It's that I'm feeling bad about myself. Mm-hmm. What can people do to sort of access their shame or to lessen its impact? Yeah, I mean that's such an important and you know very interesting question because you know the shame occurs first between people and when you feel ashamed you don't want other people's gaze that's critical and that's harsh and you don't want to be seen in shame but shame still needs another person with you to heal Uh, warmer accepting understanding gaze. So in order to heal from shame, I mean, there are things you can do by yourself, but the presence of another person who is empathic, affirming, is very, very valuable. 
Okay, so it's a kind of like, I see you. I see you and you are okay. And you feel recognized. You feel seen. You feel seen as your true self, not as this damaged person. So seeking out someone that is able to give that to you. Exactly. Like, I know you. I know you're hurt, but I know who you really are, who you really can be. So compassion from someone else or self-compassion? Yes. Yeah. Shigaru, thank you. It's fascinating. Shame is an emotion that I think we could talk about for a very long time. Yes. Because it's not straightforward or it doesn't seem as straightforward as maybe some other emotions do seem. So thank you very much for your time in talking to me. Thank you for inviting me and giving chance to speak with you. Dr. Shigeru Ikawabi is from the Japanese Institute of Emotion Focused Therapy based in Tokyo and is Professor of Clinical Psychology at Ritsumaikan University in Osaka, Japan. And if you'd like to find out more about Shiguru or about more episodes in this series, please go to our website, emotionfocused.com. And don't forget to spread the word about emotions by inviting those that you know who may be interested in emotions to also join us in this podcast. Share on your social media and anywhere else that you might happen to be able to share the news.